0: Welcome to the Bill Bardwell Show. I am here today. Lucky to have one of my favorite guests joining me. We had a whole show planned on the wild card situations around the NFL. And then we had news break each of the past two days to discuss what a lucky man I am to have NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal joining me. Greg, my friend, how are you?
1: I am doing great, and we can still talk wild cards. We can make it all happen, Bill. We can make your wildest dreams come true.
0: That is my wildest dream, in fact, is talking about Ken Dorsey and Deshaun Watson and the wild card situations. But let's start with the news, Greg. We'll start with Dorsey, because that happened two days ago, uh, or, or I guess a day and a half ago. He was fired Tuesday morning, Ken Dorsey, after a curious performance by the Bills on Monday Night Football. I know you watch Monday Night Football closely you have a television show that you do for the UK audience about Monday Night Football each and every week with, I believe, Maurice Jones-Drew. Is that correct?
1: That's right. We actually present it. We're, we are the commercial breaks. They don't have any commercials on Channel Five, so any of your UK listeners can can watch us there.
0: <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have the sizable UK <laughs> listenership that around the NFL does, but for the, those of you who are also listening, number one, thank you. Number two. A curious game from the Bills, a very up and down game from the Bills and a game they eventually lost afterwards. Sean McDermott gave the sort of coach speak, oh, we're going to have to make some changes and look at ourselves kind of speech. And then he fired Ken Dorsey, which I was not expecting to be the change that the Bills were considering. So, Greg, I will start you with this. Do you believe that if the Bills had won that game, if nothing had changed besides the Bills, getting Leonard Floyd off the field for that field goal attempt at the very end, if that field goal had gone wide and the Bills had won that game, do you still think Sean McDermott fires Ken Dorsey Tuesday morning?
1: No, right? The, I I can't imagine that anyone gets fired after a win. We can get into like how good the Bills' offense is and their stats and, and all that stuff, but that's just like not how the NFL works. It's They're so emotional that mm-hmm. there's no way Ken Dorsey would be fired if they win that game.
0: But that seems bizarre because the Bills did not (laughs) lose that game because of an offensive mistake at the end of the contest. They lost that game because of a mental lapse on the defensive side. And the person running the defense is the guy who fired Ken Dorsey, Sean McDermott. So do you think this was a situation where the loss, like, like, Sean McDermott already wanted to fire Ken Dorsey, and so the loss gave him the runway to do that. Or do you think th- that there were legitimate concerns about this bill's offense? And Sean McDermott just sort of panicked after the loss and said, Okay, we have to change something, and I'm not firing myself. So Dorsey is the uh, kind of going to be the scapegoat here.
1: Yeah, it's like two different questions because the defense is clearly underperforming more than the offense. And, and there's reasons for that, you know, injury wise in terms of Matt Milano and Jordavius white and Daquan Jones and Von Miller is not the same. I, I, I get it, but they're what I think 23rd in defensive DVOA and they're, they're top five in basically every offensive stat. But the first part of it did, was it already on his mind? I believe it was. And he did telegraph it a little bit through the media talking about Dorsey the previous two weeks, Uh, about how he wanted certain things to change and just didn't seem very happy. And, you know, we're taping this with a little time removed from the firing. And the more I've thought about it, look, he didn't want to work with the guy anymore. I don't think it's like (laughs) a good decision. We can go into the reasons why, like, it doesn't really make logical sense. Mm -hmm. We, We know that. But they've been in the same building for how many straight years now? He was the quarterback's coach for the Bills. He yep. became the offensive coordinator. That was a search that wasn't that quick, but all along we heard from Josh Allen that he wanted Ken Dorsey to be the guy. We heard that through reporting. We heard that through Josh Allen. Ken Dorsey ended up becoming the guy. They know each other very well. They've worked together as close as possible in an extremely like intense environment for a while. And Sean McDermott, who's the boss, like did not want to work with him anymore. I don't know what those reasons are, but I don't think those reasons are probably in like their success rate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they just, totally he, not. he want, he wanted something different. It was not Ken Dorsey. He didn't care about what the numbers said. He wanted the change now because maybe he's just like feeling that this was not going to turn around.
0: I know we've blamed, or or when you look at the bills offense, a lot of the struggles have been turnovers some sloppy play from Josh Allen. I mean, do you feel like Sean McDermott felt like Ken Dorsey just was not getting Josh Allen to change in the way Sean McDermott wanted Josh Allen to change?
1: I no, I don't think that'd be fair because a, they does not have Josh to be Allen, fair. Right. None of it's fair, but I don't think Josh Allen has been as risky in terms of running the ball and taking as many big hits. They've certainly diminished his ability to run in this offense. He hasn't scrambled as much, which they, they talked about a lot going into the year. And I thought it really hurt this offense. And, and when he did run a little more, especially in the, in that Tampa game, um, but even against Cincinnati, you saw it a little more like they were more effective. It's a big part of his game. There's a reason why like all the stats, Josh Allen breaks. It's like Josh Allen and Cam Newton are the top two because they're the, you know, the two most effective running quarterbacks, you know, I, I've ever seen and they changed that part of his game he's made some bad decisions certainly with turnovers, but I think Monday night was a pretty good example of actually what's been happening, which is Gabe Davis drops a pass and it's an interception. And then Josh Allen just drops a ball while he's handing it to the running back. If you go through each turnover by turnover, a lot of it's been random. A lot of it's Mm -hmm. been fumbles. A lot of it's been not necessarily decision-making after you get past that terrible week one game. So again, I, I do sort of go back to that. Like, Sean McDermott was sick of working with this guy for whatever reason. I'm not saying it was like personal. They didn't like each other, but whatever the dynamic was, he felt like I'm the boss here. If I'm going down this year and I don't think he's necessarily on the hot seat like like a Frank Reich is with with maybe Mm -hmm. he's pulling back his play calling duties, too. I I think that's really a situation of like if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down doing it my way. But I do think there's an element to that, that Sean McDermott is feeling about as much pressure at, as possible. And he just was not feeling this setup. He did not want to work with Ken Dorsey anymore. He preferred to work with Joe
0: Brady. That's that's the part that I find so confounding about all this. If this had happened in the offseason, I would still have questions about the move, but I could say, okay, Sean McDermott wanted to move on from Ken Dorsey. He wanted to bring in an OC who aligns with whatever he wants to do in terms of the big picture complementary football how they want to approach things if if it sounds like i'm i'm saying run the ball in a coded way it's cuz i am
1: they have run the ball that's the thing i, I
0: mean. know they have but that's that's not it's not about whether they have actually run the ball it's the perception or the feeling that they're running the ball frequently enough but that's not even my point my point is they would have the ability to go out and bring in somebody they're they're promoting joe brady to mm-hmm. this job, like Joe Brady's resume, is having the most incredible talent ever assembled in college football for a single season at LSU, making multiple first-round picks. Joe Burrow becoming a having the greatest college season ever, basically operating out of empty out of the shotgun and throwing the ball to one of his su- several superstar playmakers, and then a failed run in Carolina, which. To me, if I was thinking about, okay, what's the kind of offense I believe Sean McDermott wants to run? What's the kind of offense he thinks complements his defense and wins football games? It doesn't feel like a Joe Brady style of offense to me.
1: Mm. I. I don't know what a Joe Brady style of offense is. I listened to McDermott on Wednesday, and I thought these quotes were telling. He said Brady has some of the it, quote, it factor and, quote, presence to put more energy in. He also said he wants the offense to establish a subculture as part of the team's overall culture to help foster confidence and energy and focus on doing things they need to do that leads to winning. I'm reading between the lines here, and I, I get the sense that, that Ken Dorsey didn't line up with how McDermott believes a coach should lead like that. It might have been a little bit more about that than than the X's and O's that he didn't. I I keep going back to the personal because we don't have information on the personal, but I I do think when we're on the outside talking about all this, we we tend to look past that. And it's like Mm -hmm. if you've worked in any workplace place, like who you, especially if you're the boss, like Sean McDermott was like, who you like working with, who's easy to work with, who you respect their style of working, that goes a long way. That ends up being who sticks around. That's why Joe Judge is currently employed still with the New England Patriots. It's like, that that's Bill Belichick's kind of dude. He likes having those kind of dudes around. And maybe, maybe Joe Brady is one of those kind of dudes for Sean McDermott.
0: Okay. So let's I say don't... Joe Brady is one of those kind of dudes for Sean McDermott. Do you think the Bills offense will change or improve because of anything Joe Brady does over the rest of the season. If you had to sort of forecast what the Bills offense looks like in the weeks to come, do you think they make any meaningful changes or is it just going to be, you know, different vibes, same, same concept, same play caller or a different play caller?
1: They're bound to have better turnover luck, I believe, and probably cut down on their turnovers but not because of his play calling more because they've just done it at such a high rate. I don't, I don't think it was likely Mm -hmm. to continue. And that's really all they need to do. They've been moving the ball. Great. I don't need to go through all the, all the different stats, but there it's a top five offense in the last month, even not even in just the whole season where you can, you know, look at the, the first few games. So I think, I think it'll work out because I think, Josh Allen's playing too well for it not to work out. The weirdest thing that I feel like gotten lost in the shuffle is that on a down to down basis, this, this really is as good as Josh Allen has played. I not saying like as good as that playoff run a couple years ago, <laughs> but I just mean on a, like from week one to week 10, this is Josh Allen's level. He's not at a different level. There's just been a a, a handful more turnovers, but he's always been a highly turnover prone player. He's playing pretty well.
0: He certainly isn't bad. It's not like he's, he's like, I've I, read people say the bill's offense is broken. That is not the case. The bill's offense is not broken. It could certainly make some changes. I think Darren Arlovsky's point that the bill should maybe run a little more play action under center. I think that makes sense to me, um, but I, I have to look at what Brandon Dean has done and feel like he's not getting much of the blame for this situation and probably deserves some. No.
1: Yeah. The drafts haven't been great. You, you have Diggs in his prime. You have your left tackle, Deion Dawkins, in the middle of his prime. You have Josh Allen in his prime, but they haven't been able to bring in difference makers uh, to support that. And they've they've spent so much on on the defense that I, I'm not the first person to make this point, but I just think that that's skated, that even though they've had injuries on that side of the ball, they are built with their continuity and the way Sean McDermott really started building this entire run is on defense. And for them to be below average defensively, I think 23rd in in DVOA, not making any big plays, not really having much of a pass rush consistently, like that is as big or a bigger problem.
0: So they gave Von Miller three guaranteed years and they could not have known Von Miller was going to tear his ACL, but Von Miller was a pass rusher in his thirties. And this was a very, Different move for the Bills. They had not made that all-in killer move before. they had always been in free agency, going after multiple pieces, trying to build depth, trying to add, you know, two or three guys as opposed to paying for one significant player. Do you think, obviously the move doesn't look great given the injury, given that Vine Miller's barely been a regular this year, but do you think even... If Von Miller hadn't been injured, do you think that was a misstep from the Bills and it's mm. worth them, given their roster construction?
1: It's funny because it, like that occurred to me wh- when it happened. What what a risky move it was, but we were flying high off of the Von Miller, sure Rams trade, and it it seemed almost rude to point out that Von Miller in Denver post his injury was was really good, but wasn't peak Von Miller in terms of when he was defensive player of the year type of guy for most of the previous few years in Denver. And then he got to LA and he was electric and he helped them win it. And so no one's going to look sideways at that trade that they made. And he was pretty great with the bills last year too. Like he still was at that level when he signed that contract. Was it ever likely that he was going to be a premier pass rusher all three of those years? No, but I, I would think that they knew that, that they thought they were going to get hopefully one elite year, maybe maybe two, but that he'd still be a good contributing player. The, the crazy part was probably on us too, to believe that he comes back this year at 34 years old after a second major injury like that and is a difference maker and is the old Von Miller because no one wants to get too deep on it. But the reason he's not playing is because he's not creating any pressure. You look at any possible metric and if you just watch it, he's not making a difference. He He's among the lowest graded, you know, edge rushers by PFF in terms of pass rush win rate and, and just grading of, of any player in the league with over a hundred snaps. <laughs> this is so dark. I'm not totally, I'm not totally down on the bills. I feel like I keep thinking they're going to turn it around at some point.
0: Well, they're five and five. No. Yeah. It, yeah, I, that happens I, I,
1: though. That does happen. One thing I sometimes think we overrate a little bit the first 10 weeks of the season. Cause we want to like, believe It meant a lot like very often teams can that have enough talent can turn on a dime. So I'm not totally ruling that out.
0: You know, they're going to win like six straight and it's going to be like Sean McDermott was a genius. (laughs) And everyone who everyone who posted all the numbers about the bills being top five in offense are going to look stupid. That's just how the internet works. You just have to accept that. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there is no Competition And right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8-S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8-S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. we should also talk about the news coming out of cleveland where this morning deshaun watson was uh the reports got sean watson has suffered a season-ending shoulder injury uh, apparently suffered it during the win over the ravens on sunday uh, i believe he suffered it but please correct me if i'm wrong he suffered it in the second quarter and then went 14 of 14 in the second half or completed 14 consecutive passes in the second half to help pull out a victory for the Browns. Um Greg, how, how do you how what does this do for you in terms of evaluating the Browns? Do you feel dramatically differently about their chances of winning the AFC North, making it to the postseason, with sort of knowing that Sean Watson's not going to be back for the rest of the season?
1: Yes, because Watson had not played well as a Brown, but there was potential. I mean, that's being generous, but the last two weeks and I, and I went back and watched all those because I, I, this, they sort of fascinated me because I, I thought if, if they could get like top 12 ish quarterback play out of Watson, they were a super bowl contender. That's how good that defense was. You even saw in that game, like he went 14 for 14. We're going to hear about that game for forever. You go back and watch the, the play calling, like guys were open. Most of those were short receivers. I mean, uh, short throws. He made a couple big time throws in each one of those games. He didn't play well amazingly, but it reminded me a lot of the 2020 Baker Mayfield offense where it it was just a good offense. Like they could survive injuries, to the offensive line. And if he could just elevate just a little, a few special plays per week, and he was starting to do that, then they had a real chance. And so I I don't think Dorian Thompson Robinson, who's going to start this week, has nearly that chance. I'm not totally giving up on him being a fun watch because he, I was so on team DTR in the preseason that one start against the Ravens was, was very rough. Uh, But I like that they're going back to him now, but now I think that caps the ceiling. Doesn't it? That, okay, now maybe you can make the playoffs. If we're still talking about the jets as a team that like could find a way to make the playoffs. Sure. The Browns could go four and four down the stretch, which would probably be good enough to get in. You'd be 10 and seven or even five and three with that defense. I think it's possible, but it's hard to see them winning multiple games or or winning the division or or making a playoff run.
0: Yeah. I mean, the Browns defense and just defense is very good. The Browns defense is historically good by most metrics I have seen. Um, And I think that that makes me wonder if the bar is not lower for the quarterback, you know, the jets, I feel like they do need a competent quarterback to be very good. They don't, they can't get by with, you know, a below average quarterback for me, the Browns, if they play as well on defense over the rest of the year as they have so far, which is tough, given how much of an outlier they've been, they don't need an above average quarterback. They could win with Jacoby Brissett. They could win with,
1: um, yeah, but they don't have Jacoby Brissett.
0: <laughs> I know. I, I'm just saying that they don't need they. They could win with, I think, the current version of Baker Mayfield, let alone the Baker from a few years ago. Like they don't need the 20th best quarterback in football. I think they could be a playoff team and actually make a meaningful playoff run with the 32nd best quarterback in football. Um, but to your point, at least right now, Greg, they don't have one. But question I want to ask you. Who who are you calling if you're Andrew Barry? If you get oh one God. call, one call to the various NFL quarterbacks who are in retirement, who still stretch out a little bit every day, just keep that arm active just in case. We've had these conversations before. The Niners had these conversations heading into the Super Bowl if there were concerns about Brock Purdy, if Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't go. Who would you consider going for?
1: Well, the same one that Niners were thinking of. You know, it. it's Phil Rivers. Let's go. Yes. Let's get him. Let's get him out of the high school coaching. But it's not, I feel like this is a dream now. I mean, last year, it seems somewhat. It's a couple of years removed from. I just don't think teams are going to want to.
0: He called last year, but he called the Niners and said, hey, do you need me for the post? I know, but they
1: but they didn't want him. That's what I mean. I, I don't think the Browns will want him. No. I think they'll want to look at DTR. And I think they'll look at what you just said about the quarterbacks they've already proven it. They beat the 49ers with PJ Walker. They beat the Colts uh, with PJ Walker. You know, they were, they were in that Seahawks game, you know, could have won that And PJ Walker was not playing well. (laughs) You know what I mean? He wasn't playing. He made a couple of throws per game, but he was kind of that number 32 quarterback just about. And they still were like competing and beating some good teams.
0: Like 49ers rode off Philip Rivers, but Philip Rivers didn't write back. Come on.
1: <laughs> I mean, I would love it. Who, who would you want?
0: I, I I want Rivers, of course, but do you think Matt Ryan is more plausible that they would go, you know, because Matt Ryan does have experience and plenty of experience in a Shanahan style offense mm. fans Stefanski's offense? Not entirely similar, but definitely a lot of similarities. The difference is when we last saw Philip Rivers, he was good. When we last saw Matt Ryan, he was flailing behind uh, in, in, in a Jeff Saturday Colts team. So I I, I wonder, you know, I, I think there's a realistic possibility that that would make sense. I, I also wonder if you're a team like the Raiders and I believe Jimmy Garoppolo's money is mostly base salary. I don't think it's um, bonus. So if you're the Raiders... And you have Jimmy Garoppolo, and you're on the hook for eleven, I think, eleven million dollars next year. Do you cut Jimmy Garoppolo, hoping that the Browns pick him up? Because if that were to happen, I'm not saying the Browns are going to like you know do anything under the table, but if you put that possibility out there, wouldn't the Browns seriously consider making that kind of move?
1: Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It would be a weird, uh, it would be a weird cap it for the the Raiders, but I would, I would like that. I mean that it is pretty wild to think. I think they would claim Jimmy G. <laughs> I, mean, I I looked at. I just looked up Matt Ryan's age. He's thirty eight. Philip Rivers is forty one, and yet I have more faith in in Philip Rivers. I don't know. Ryan looks looks pretty cook. How about your your Giants? I'm holding a a football card that my my son made of your guy Daniel Jones. He makes his own football cards based on the football cards he opens and um i would love it if they just picked up a better veteran quarterback so that they wouldn't get the number one overall pick they're gonna luck their way into this bill
0: luck there's no luck involved with tanking greg there is skill they're the favorites
1: though right now they are they got i mean they're my personal favorites i'm not saying um that's in vegas or anything but if i had to guess who has the number one overall pick i bet it's the giants
0: According to espn's football power index and a column coming tomorrow on espn.com by a very thoughtful and insightful analyst the giants do not have the highest mm. chances of being what's the, the bears because they have
1: two it two cracks the, the at bears, the apple yeah
0: the bears at, the one the bears crack is like two percent it's not like a big chance for the bears but the panthers i believe are at like 39 no sorry the giants are at like 39 on their own and i think that Panthers are at 38 and the Bears are at like three. And so you, they end up to 41, but most likely one of those two teams. But what does that have to do with the Brown situation? Absolutely
1: nothing. Absolutely uh, nothing.
0: But I was like, it, it reminds me though, that
1: I, I want the, the trade deadline pushed back a few weeks. I've wanted that for a long time. I, I did some digging and I found out like, well, ownership is long. Like pushed against that because they don't want to promote the idea of tanking so they like the Mm -hmm. early trade deadline although if you remember they did move it back one week maybe four years ago or so but if they had moved if they moved it back to where the rest of the season's trade the rest of sports trade deadline is it'd be this week or next week and like jimmy g could be traded like it just would make a lot more sense jacoby Brissett maybe would be traded and and the browns would be a much more watchable team the rest of the season
0: um, Browns have taken plenty of flack for cutting Joshua, Dobbs, trading Joshua Dobbs to the Cardinals for a of late round picks. And then deciding against making an offer or a meaningful offer for Dobbs at the trade deadline. Now they could not have known Deshaun Watson was going to suffer a season ending injury. Could not have known Joshua Dobbs was going to ball out for the Vikings over the past two weeks, but sh- like without the benefit of hindsight, Should the Browns have been more aggressive, given that Sean Watson, even though he had not suffered a season-ending injury, was already dealing with a mysterious shoulder injury?
1: Well, according to Josh Dobbs, who has a podcast, by the way, did not know this until last week, but he has a podcast with Chiefs offensive lineman Trey Smith. And on that podcast, um, two weeks ago, he had Grant Williams of the Mavericks, formerly of the Celtics, as a guest. But last week, he dropped a little nugget. That got some play nationally. That's how I heard of it. How Jonathan Gannon told him he wasn't going to be traded. And then almost immediately after Jonathan Gannon told him he wasn't going to be traded, his agent told him, you are going to be traded. Uh, he was lying to you. And he said, you're going to be traded to either the Vikings or the Browns. So that would indicate to me there was some level of interest even at the trading deadline. Uh, and it didn't happen. Maybe that was Dobbs' agent's choice or Dobbs's choice. The Vikings were a better situation. Uh, but... It shows that the Browns realized they made a mistake. They believed in in Dorian Thompson Robinson based on on training camp, and basically decided to give Josh Dobbs away uh, before the season. And yeah, that that's looking like a pretty big mistake. I I think the way a lot of teams have dealt with the backup quarterback situation is mystifying to me. That like so many teams are willing to go with totally unproven like mid round rookies when that means your season is basically over the second it happens.
0: You don't think Will Levis is better than? Uh... Ryan Tannehill? Uh,
1: no, I was thinking more about like Brett Ripon starting a football game, you know. And I and I know they drafted Stetson Bennett with the idea that he would he would be the backup, but I just think people play pretty fast and loose with backup quarterback when it's by far uh, the most important position. I might have even done this impression on your show before, but our, our my old colleague Charlie Casserly used to always say uh, the most important person most important person in your organization is your starting quarterback. And the second most important person in your organization is your backup
0: quarterback. How about that? That's, that sounds great. That sounds like a real Charlie Castle to me, Um <laughs> but I kind of get it.
1: Like I always thought the Patriots were smart to draft quarterbacks and like high with high picks because the position's so important. Like you can never have enough.
0: This is not the week to talk about the Patriots being smart, Greg. I don't know if you've heard things are not um, going well. They were, you know, they were smart back in the day when they had them. Now they are stupid. Now they, yeah. now they're just big old dummies. I'll give you one more Browns question, and we'll move on. After the year, if the Browns say, "Hey, listen, we're offering up Deshaun Watson for a swap of sixth and seventh round picks. Basically, if you take the contract, you can have him for free." Do you think any NFL team says yes to that offer? Yes. Really? Who do you think would say yes?
1: Well, I think a lot would depend on what happens between now and then i i see what your your point and no one's been harder on the browns for making that decision like i i was so hard like it was the worst contract in nfl history the the day they signed it even if it had gone better and now knowing that the serious injury has happened it obviously looks even worse and yet i still think now it's a three-year guaranteed contract right bill and you don't have to give up any picks for him. Yes. And he's like a mid-level player. I don't know who it would be specifically, whether it'd be like the Raiders or <laughs> the, I, I don't know. You're right. It it might not be a long list, but I think there'd be a, like the Falcons. I think there'd be a chance. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's talk about the wild card situations on both sides of the NFL conference divide and some teams really obviously in the wild card race other teams or other spots are going to have to come down to basically which of the remaining teams decides to get hot for three or four weeks I don't know about you I feel like when I deal with fans or when I talk with fans like the shift from three wild cards or sorry from two wild cards to three wild cards like it hasn't been internalized yet and mm. so I think, I think it felt it, like when I see teams get the seven seed, like I think the, the Mitchell Trubisky bears that year were, they really got blown out by the Saints were a perfect example. Like it feels bigger than it actually is. Like it feels like more of an accomplishment because now you are more likely to make the postseason and you know, it doesn't, it's not bad to make the playoffs, but I think being one of the wildcard teams maybe means a little less than it did um, five years ago.
1: Well, I think that's, I mean, it's obviously, uh, it's statistically true. Almost half the league makes it. It's it's what about 44% of the league makes it. And those seven seeds have been pretty gross so far. There will be a year where there's like a good seven seed for whatever reason. Like they're on a streak at the end of the year, or they had someone come back, a quarterback come back with injury. Like we've seen it, it, it hasn't happened as often, but we've seen low seeds. Make a run. I guess the Rams, Bengals, they were relatively low, but those were still division winners.
0: Yeah. Were were the Giants the six or the seven last year?
1: They were the six, right? They were the six. Yeah. Who was the seven? Uh give me one second, but uh the Seahawks.
0: They were the seven. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So this year, do you want to start AFC or NFC?
1: Let's go AFC because that's AFC. that's where okay. the meat is right now.
0: You think? Okay. So
1: that's where the teams Chief... that are actually compelling that will be playing on wildcard weekend are. There's <laughs> there's some gross ones on the in the NFC side, I feel like.
0: Uh, I'm not sure if ESPN has the rights to potentially one of those gross games. So I'm not gonna I'm gonna say all playoff games are fun and exciting, Greg. I don't I don't agree with the sentiment about uh playoff caliber teams being quote unquote gross. Um but in the AFC right now, Chiefs Dolphins, huge favorites to win their division. The Jags, not as much as they were a week ago. Texans only a game behind with the tiebreaker in hand. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. But Jaguars favorite to win the AFC South. Ravens are the favorites in a four-team race in the AFC. So, from the wild card perspective, Greg, I'll give you some numbers here from ESPN's football power index. The number one team likely to win a wild card spot in the AFC which would have been a good segue is the Cleveland Browns. Hmm. Is that surprising to you?
1: No, cuz I I know that their future schedule is not as difficult as the rest of their division, first of all. Now, they need to, you know, win these division games. It's still going to be tricky. Uh, but their defense is so good. That's baked in. They've been winning these games without great offense. So even though I I know there was like an adjustment on some playoff odds with the Watson injury and some won't take that into account. um, They've been winning without great defense. So that, that isn't that shocking to me.
0: Okay. Number two in the wild card odds from ESPN's football power index, the Pittsburgh Steelers at 39.1%. I know I have my feelings about the Steelers, Greg. How do you feel about their chances of claiming a wild card spot?
1: So, and, and this could prove to be wrong, but I keep thinking that a lot of times teams that rack up lucky, good records start to actually improve. Like if they have the ingredients to do so, start to actually improve during the season and get closer to the record that they've already earned. And you know what I mean? So that I actually, and I think you've seen it with their offense, their offense since the buy has been a lot better. It hasn't been good, but it hasn't been. We're among the very worst teams in the league. It's been more like we're the 21st best offense in the league. And if you give me the 21st best offense in the league with a good running game, uh, a good head coach, good ingredients for a defense, it's been a little up and down, but has been up op- opportunistic. Mm-hmm. Like, I've actually been believing at some point they will be a good team because they are the Pittsburgh Steelers and they'll have these wins to sit back on. So I, that, that checks out for me too.
0: I'm hoping that they start playing a lot better in losing games and then no one can explain it. Why?
1: <laughs> I mean, no one, no one will actually clock that. I don't know how anyone will even, even know. I mean, they're not even like that good of a pass defense. They're a very confusing
0: team. They're like league average on defense this year. They were like bad on offense a little better than league average on defense. They're a good pass rush, but their secondary is pretty mediocre. Um, but they just win every single week.
1: They are they are seventh um, in DVOA on defense, according to uh, you know your old friends who are now over at FTN Fantasy. FTN, so that, that's pretty good.
0: FTN um, so there's basically uh, a group of teams here in the 30s. There's the Ravens, who have, of course, a significant chance of winning. The division as well. The Browns, Steelers who we just mentioned, the Texans are at 29%. The Chargers are at 34%. The Bengals are at 30.6%. So the Chargers, I was going to ask you which one stands out to you as like maybe doesn't belong in this group. It sounds like the Chargers are that team to you.
1: Well, the Chargers on the you know too high side and the Bengals maybe on the too low side and I know the Bengals schedule is brutal. It's the hardest strength of schedule left. Um, they could be five and five after this week, but I just think you see what they are at their best, and I would trust in that and, and their history of closing the last couple seasons strong. And the Chargers, I know they're coming off of a great offensive performance, but there's there's too many issues with this team. They have a different issue kind of that pops up every week, and I am personally hurt by them because before the season I decided I, I, I took like a year off the Chargers and then I went back in on them this year and said that they could make, make the Super Bowl. So that was very stupid of me
0: but you're you're officially out on Chargers Super Bowl.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I am not taking any credit if that somehow happened. It's not going to happen. They don't they seem like a me- a little bit not a mess but like the the two sides of the football can't play well in the same week. You know what I mean? And there's just like a lot of there's a lot of sloppiness. There's been injuries right when you believe in one thing, another thing pops up. I'm I'm not feeling great.
0: I think they were foolish to use all their successful fourth down conversions in a game where they were going to lose to the Lions anyway. Um, (laughs) It's really going to come back to haunt them because now we can be like, oh, look at their fourth down numbers. They convert 70% of the time, but it's not going to be the times that actually mattered when it comes to.
1: I don't think they've been like incredibly unlucky though this year, which is usually part of the chargers. Like they could be five and four, but I don't look at them as a team that like should be seven and two or anything.
0: Right. Like they're injured, but they're not like, like historically injured. It's not like they're down four stars. Um they have had some fourth down decisions not go their way, but they still actually won a couple of those games where they haven't been they haven't had the fourth down conversions. Um their special teams, which is usually like a big chargers like Bugaboo, has been pretty good. I mean Dicker I think is a pretty solid kicker, which I think goes a long way in terms of just having their special teams be competent. But I, I just they, they do have and
1: I I think what's baked into that, those numbers is I'm just picking out the easiest games they have left on the schedule, but they have an at Green Bay this week in at New England, a home Denver at Las Vegas and at in another at Denver, you know, they'll be favored in most of those games. There's some tough ones I I ignored too with Ravens, Bills, Chiefs all at home. Like it's, it's a more manageable schedule than some of the teams in the North.
0: Mm -hmm. So You said the Bengals were too low for you.
1: Yeah, don't you think? What do you think? I don't
0: know. I don't know. I mean, the Bengals did just lose to the Texans this week in a game where they were sloppy, and the Texans, I believe, outplayed them for most of the contest. They were bad for a decent chunk of the first half of the season, which I think we're pretty much chalking up to Joe Burrow's calf, and I think that's part of it, but not all of it. Here's how I would put this. I I, it feels like because they've been so good after the bye the past couple of years, we've now established that as like a trait that the Bengals possess. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that we have a big enough sample for that based on two <laughs> seasons. Like, like I, I don't believe there's anything tangibly different about them after the bye where they're like, okay, we figured out what's wrong. We're going to be good now. Like, I think Burrow got healthier in year one and that led them to improve after the bye because I think Burrow was still recovering from the ACL early in the season. I think they were a little more confident with their offense. They were a little more, I believe they got more pass happy and that sort of unlocked a new level from their offense. But like, you know, you have the calf injury, but it wasn't like Burrow was injured the entire time before the bye. Like he was healthy-ish a couple weeks before they got to their bye. And they did win two great games against the Bills and the Niners, but the Bills don't necessarily look like the stiffest competition right now. That isn't quite as big of a win as maybe it seemed. Um, and you know, I, I just don't think there's anything innate about them that makes them dominant after the buy. And I think we're treating it as like, oh, this is their time. And I don't know if that's necessarily uh, the case.
1: No, I, I just lean more towards usually quarterback than coach. Now Zach Taylor, I'm, I'm less like thinking he matters, but I think a healthy Joe Burrow is going to be a top five quarterback. And that gives him an edge in a wild card race, especially when I've seen him play, at a very high level, the last three weeks, I know he had a, a couple throws he would like back in, on. The, in, the, in that Houston game, but that's it.
0: Are we not? If If Josh Allen had had that fourth quarter, this is this is the Mahomes thing, right? Like mm-hmm. if if Mahomes did, if if Mahomes did this, the, the media would go crazy. This is the opposite of that. This is the if Josh Allen threw two interceptions and missed a wide open Tyler Boyd. I miss is the wrong word. Tyler Boyd also didn't catch that pass, but certainly did not make life easy for Tyler. Oh, Boyd that was a terrible that drop. Head. That wasn't
1: a bad, that wasn't a bad drop.
0: You don't think it was? Do you think it was? No, that was do you think Joe Burrow point. went to the sideline and was like, I did my job perfectly on that play?
1: I don't think anyone was worried about Joe Burrow, but your point.
0: I think it was like 20. It's twenty that
1: drop. Their offense has gone through long lulls in these games, especially the Bills game, um, certainly the Seahawks game. And I think you're right to point out there's been more issues with this team that were ignored, A, because they went on a four-game winning streak, and B, because of Burrow's ankle, than people have recognized. Number one, their offensive line is still bad. like They were dominated up front by the Texans. Like They're not as bad as they used to be, but they're not a plus. And then more importantly, they've given up a ton of explosive plays on defense. Uh, they gave up 17 last week. I think our friend Nate Tice noted that was the fourth highest since 2000 in any game <laughs> by any team. Uh, and it's actually not that unique. They gave up explosive plays to the Bills, to the 49ers, to the Seahawks, like, and they managed to win those games. But their their defense hasn't been as on it. They've just overcome it by forcing a lot of turnovers and being good inside the 10 yard line, actually, historically they are great like inside the red zone on defense to the point where it seems like it's a real thing for them, but that's a tough way to live. Uh, And so I'm with you this at this, this Thursday night game is huge, but even if they were five and five, I feel like they're better than basically every team left on their schedule other than at chiefs week 17. And so I'd give them a, a chance to like make a big run and finish 10 and seven or 11 and six.
0: Do you think they're better than the Ravens?
1: No. No. So that's why I think even, they'd get go to even, five and five, and then you go you go five and two the rest of the way, or or six and one.
0: Even the injured version of the Ravens that we're seeing right now, because they have no Ronnie Stanley, I believe no...
1: Marlon Humphrey's doubtful.
0: Marlon Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey's doubtful. Uh, that's That seemed bad if you have to cover Jamar Chase. Yeah. But then again, <laughs> the Bengals have no Sam Hubbard, uh G. Higgins is out, so these these teams are both less than
1: 100%. Yeah, I think the Ravens have a few more ways to win. I'm I've been I I switched my allegiances from Chargers to Ravens early on this season and I'm sticking with them. I do think their best game is better than anyone's best game and maybe they haven't totally had it there but I I think they're the best team in that division and they've been good in this matchup, not you know in week 2 but also even last year, almost almost winning a couple times with Tyler Huntley at quarterback in winning when when Lamar was at quarterback
0: are you prepared to march on Baltimore and demand more Keaton Mitchell with me yes yes let's pick your teams AFC who are going to be the three wildcard teams based on this conversation
1: okay we didn't even get to Houston but I'm should you do you want to talk
0: Texans should
1: we well I think the Texans (laughs) they could win the division too right I actually think there's a reasonable chance that Texans win the division and the Jaguars fall all the way out. But schedule wise, both those teams have a a little bit of an edge. I man, this is difficult, but I think I'd go with the Jags and the Texans both making it Uh, the Bengals sneaking into that last spot. And I think mm, after today, I think the Steelers will would get my my seventh spot. Over the Browns and the Bills are out too.
0: So Browns, Chargers, Bills, all out. Yes, that's my final answer. Wow, I like it. Okay, NFC. This one's a little easier. Wait, did you team... make a choice? What is no, yours? Is... You're the guest. You have to make the tough decisions here. It's I... your show. It's my show. I don't have to. I don't have to make the tough calls here. I. We'll say Browns. I I will say... I will say Browns. I will say Chargers. Whoa! I love this. I still believe... And I'll say Bengals. Browns, Chargers, Bengals are my three teams. That's spicy.
1: And um, we apologize to the five loss Indianapolis Colts, Las Vegas Raiders, New York Jets, and Denver Broncos... There are a lot of five-loss teams, six five-loss teams out there.
0: Do you know the Colts have a better chance of winning a wild card spot than the Bills do for FBI?
1: It's schedule the related, have, but still, the Bills
0: have a much better chance of winning their division, so their playoff odds are higher. But Bills nineteen percent chance of winning a wild card, Colts twenty two percent.
1: Well, I mean, can you tell me the team that's like blown out the Colts this year? Do they exist? No, they beat the Ravens. Oh, I guess the Jags kind of blew them out. Uh, other than that, you know, actually the Saints more or less handled them. I, I take it back.
0: Okay. Well, speaking of the Saints, we probably have to talk about them in the NFC, Greg, because someone from the NFC South, maybe two teams from the NFC South are going to make it to the postseason. Let's start with the easy ones. One of the Cowboys or Eagles are going to make it. Can we just not waste our time there?
1: Yes. And I, and I think the Cowboys have a decent chance to be, you know, a, a chance to take the division lead when they when they play again in four weeks just because of the schedules that the two teams have.
0: I agree, but FPI has the Eagles with an 83% chance of winning the NFC East. Uh, that's not me. That's just ESPN's Football Power Index. Don't get mad at me. FPI has the Vikings at a 64% chance of winning a wild card spot. And the Seahawks. With a 61% chance of making it to the postseason as a wild card team, so Greg, is it just that simple? Is it just Cowboys or Eagles, Vikings and Seahawks? Is there any reason to discuss anybody else?
1: It is crazy to think that the Vikings are that big of a favorite, and even the Seahawks, who have looked a little wobbly, oh sure, at, at times getting to six and three, but they have gotten to six and three. They're five and one in in the conference. I'm curious to see this Rams rematch this weekend. Like to me, that's a good litmus test for where Seattle's at. They got blown out by the Rams in week one and, and McVay's kind of historically owned that matchup. If if they can get through that, that'll be a good sign that they're, they're making some progress. I tend to, those would, those are my picks ultimately. Um, I think if you were, if you were looking for one, another team, who would you choose?
0: That was going to be my question for you. I don't appreciate that. Um, who would be my team? If I was not going to have one of those teams, is it crazy to say the Rams? Am, am I like far off to think that the Rams have a shot at even though they're three and six?
1: Uh no. Uh they got most of their difficult games out of the way early. Like they already got rid of uh they've played the Seahawks and 49ers already once. They got rid of the Bengals, Eagles, Cowboys, Steelers. Um I like their schedule for the most part. I think they have the highest upside offensively i would maybe give the the commanders a slight better chance of of a weird team getting really? through uh because i i think they're getting good enough quarterback play there is some history with ron rivera defense is getting better down the stretch mm-hmm. i think we have enough sample size They're they, they're not a bad team they're they're in basically every game and so they could like kind of get a little a little lucky in one score games and they would be my other one
0: they have one sack since trading Montez sweat and, uh, and chase young and over 100 dropbacks for the two opposing (laughs) quarterbacks. It's crazy. Also, no, no one's talking about this. And I, I brought it up in my column coming out tomorrow. This is a Josh Harris team. Josh Harris is the owner of this football team. Josh Harris literally oversaw the process with the 76ers. Like if anyone is thinking about tanking, wouldn't it be the commanders and the people who own the commanders? no,
1: uh, I agree. When they made that trade for Chase Young, I thought that had that clearly came from ownership that you are making this trade no matter what because there's no reason for Ron Rivera or no. Martin Mayhew to be trading Chase Young for pennies on the dollar. I know they weren't going to keep him next year, but what is a what is the hundredth pick in the draft doing for them? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they were told trade these guys, and and they they got what they could get, and Montez Sweat just was a more valuable asset but to circle back by the way on your uh on your rams thing seahawks Mm -hmm. at cardinals and then browns with dorian thompson robinson the next three weeks that's not bad you go two and one there they have the commanders in kind of a a mid-off on week 15 i'm going to the thursday night game against the saints i'm bringing my whole family there that's the plan really they have an at giants these all
0: these all are winnable these are all winnable games greg could you not imagine Sean McVay getting hot? Matthew Stafford looking young again. Um, Cooper Cup and Puka Nakowitz catching passes all over the place. Um and their defense plays is-
1: with a lot of energy. They have some good young players on their defense. It's not a good defense, but if you if you watch them, they 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 play hard, which I think goes goes a long way. Uh my house, my daughter and wife are Rams fans, so mm-hmm. I'm a little biased, but I also think they're one of the only teams in the league where where mediocrity is abounds where I'm like, actually, they're better than the record. If if Stafford was healthy, they would have beaten the Packers like they should be four and five. And they really blew that Steelers game. And I know they believe they blew that Bengals game, too. But but they outplayed, I thought, the Steelers.
0: Wouldn't it be shocking if they were five and four right now, given how they played. And yeah, very easy schedule moving forward to me. If I had to pick a team from the outside, that would be my pick. Would Would you go the same way? The Rams? In terms of like outsider NFC team to make a wild card run, if one of those big three falter in the second half,
1: yeah, Rams would be my pick as well. Commanders would be second, and then in the NFC South, are we even are we even discussing this? Because it it's crazy how the Saints have had the easiest schedule in the league and are five and five. And they've also been the healthiest team in the league and their future schedule is somehow the easiest in the league. I don't just about, I don't I don't understand it, but the vibes and everything there are so terrible. I actually think the bucks are like the most stable team in that division. And they're most boring. They're the most fine team ever. They're just, they're fine in everything. I feel like they, their stability might be better than what the Falcons and the saints have going on.
0: The saints are the oldest team in football.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: they are the healthiest team in football and yet they're eking out games every week or they're eking out half their games their fans hate them um they're they're <laughs> infuriating to watch uh they inevitably spend like three quarters not knowing what to do before they finally just give Taysom Hill the ball and he figures it out um
1: until last week when he mysteriously didn't get the ball at all
0: and yes. they lost yes um Just just a weird team, the Saints. And like, it's not that they're bad. They're not I don't think they're a bad team. They have a lot of talented players. They just like I you just can't make sense of them, I feel like. They're 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 not as inexplicable as the Steelers, but they're like the Steelers with worse coaching and less luck.
1: I think they're poorly coached offensively, just in general. Like, And then I think they're just like a tick older on defense than they needed to be. Pete Werner, who's not old, is taking a step back. Demario Davis, just like a step slower. Cam Jordan is good, still like a step slower. Their safety combo, Matthew and May. I'm too deep in on these, these Saints. Like a step slower. It's all just like 10% worse than than they want. and And they're not a difference-making group on defense. And it's not enough to make up for just what's a really weird offense they're 18th by the way in dvoa bucks are 19th i like the bucks let's go Bucks.
0: they're 18th in overall team dvoa
1: overall yeah
0: where are they in defensive dvoa
1: 12th i mean that which feels i like it when it confirms what they feel like it's like yeah they're like a little better than average but they're built in their the money they've spent and the way it's dennis allen they they needed to be like a top five defense and they're just not they've taken a step back
0: they have a fifty-three percent chance of winning the NFC South, sixty-one wow. percent chance of making it to the postseason. Bucks, twenty-six percent uh division, thirty-six percent overall. Sounds like you would have them relatively close.
1: That oh sense? yeah. And I think the Falcons are quietly the most disappointing team here that they they they're not better than their four and six record. And so I would put them a solid third, actually, of those three. And the other two is a coin flip to me.
0: The good news is I picked the Panthers to win the division, so no matter what happens, I'm going to be. Wrong.
1: I'm not going to say I'm proud of this, but we we did a show mm-hmm. over unders, me and you. We did. Do you remember who you drafted in that on on the Around the NFL podcast?
0: Broncos. Broncos I actually over. I don't
1: I don't. But what I was going to point out because it's self serving is my number one pick, my first round pick, because we could pick. Mm-hmm. Any over, any under, and we took it in order. You could only take one. My number one overall pick was under Panthers seven and a half, and that's that turned out to be, I think, pretty good.
0: I think you already have the W there, if I'm not mistaken. No?
1: I might, and your under seven and a half for your Giants is also looking pretty solid there.
0: <laughs> we'll see. Tommy DeVito may have some magic in that arm of his, but that sounds like a that sounds like a pretty fun show, Greg. Where can people check out <laughs> um, a show that would talk about topics like that?
1: Around the NFL, we're doing five days a week now. We do the we do the primetime recaps uh, on Monday and Thursday night. I gotta I gotta get you on for one of those. And uh I just wanna say a shout out to the multiple people last week. I, cause we work at NFL Network and so we're right next to the stadium. It's like across the sidewalk, essentially. I saw multiple Jared Goff Rams jerseys at Lions Chargers. So who says football's not alive in Los Angeles? That's impressive.
0: Actually, you know, let me finish up with this. You just went to the UK for the which game were you at for the the UK series?
1: Titans Ravens.
0: You were at Titans and Ravens. Mm -hmm. Not the best game from my recollection, Uh, but plenty of people wear weird jerseys or obscure jerseys to the NFL Europe games. Did you see anything that struck your eye?
1: Mm, Yes. Two Bengals jerseys. Someone was wearing a Ted Karras jersey like, are you related to, to Ted Karras? <laughs> why, do, why, do, why do they sell Ted Karras jerseys? And then there was another Bengals one, which struck my fancy. He, they, someone was wearing a Jerome Simpson Bengals Jersey.
0: Oh,
1: I, I was like, were you just like a fan of that time that he flipped into the end zone perfectly? And so you bought that Jersey <laughs> probably right. Cause he didn't do much.
0: Yeah. I, I was in Copenhagen over the summer. Um, and I saw a woman in like her, like, you know, a mid-20s, it seemed like, who was wearing, of all things, in Copenhagen, Denmark, a Philip Rivers Chargers jersey. So that is another reason for the Browns to go out and get Philip Rivers. Worldwide support will be yours if you just go out and get Philip Rivers. That is the one takeaway I want people to get from the show, Greg.
1: I I love it. I've seen Rivers jerseys there, too. They, I mean, who doesn't love Phil Rivers? He's America's quarterback.
0: America's quarterback. He could be the Browns quarterback. But until we find that out next week, Greg, thanks so much for coming on.
1: Thanks, Bill.
0: Thanks so much to my friend, Greg Rosenthal, former boss of mine at Roto World many years ago. Many moons for both of us ago. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, We'll be back next week. Another show before Thanksgiving. So thanks so much for listening and more on the way next week.